this isn't for her. How are we doing? All right. Well, I want to say how happy I am to be here today. This is uh, kind of my home away from home. I, I spent uh, a lot of years here at Calvary, and they were all enjoyable, joyous years. And uh, so Donna and I always feel like we're kind of coming back home when we come back here, but we feel that same way when we go to Waterford, uh, the church where... I was baptized and grew up and um, and learned about Jesus. Uh, I was taken back when we sang uh, Trust and Obey. Uh, it's been a, lot, a long time ago, and I have part-timers, but I believe Trust and Obey was a song that I walked forward to and said, you know, I realize there's something wrong in my life and I need Jesus. And uh, and so it brings back a, a lot of a lot of memories. We're going to be looking today at Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, and we'll be looking at the first seven verses of that chapter. While you're finding that, I just say I see a lot of familiar faces that I haven't seen in in quite some time, and man, it's good to see you. Uh, I think you uh, you look good. Yeah, good looking bunch you are. Well, let's read this passage together, and then we'll uh, dive right in. Paul starts out in verse one of chapter four, saying, "Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart." But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Um, there's, there's five points I would like to make today and uh, to help keep my small brain on track, I, I usually uh, use uh, same letter words. And so the five points are going to be ministry, mercy, manifestation, majesty, and might. 
And the first point um, I want to I want to talk about in just a minute. I want to kind of give us just a little bit of background of of the first three chapters up to this point. Therefore, means that based on what I have just said, we must look back to see how it impacts what I'm going to say. And so he says, therefore, based on what I've said, I want you to understand what I'm going to say. And so in in the previous chapter, chapter 3, verse 5, he said that we are not adequate in ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. We are not adequate in ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. In verse 6, he says, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant of the Spirit, he goes on to say. And so, uh, Paul's telling these people in Corinth that, listen, I know you're struggling, but uh, you're not adequate, I'm not adequate, we're not adequate in ourselves of the ministry that we've been called to. Our adequacy is God. And He has made us servants of a new covenant. In verse 8, he says it's, it's the ministry of the Spirit. And in verse 9, he says it's the ministry of righteousness. Now, the ministry he's talking about, he says in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death and to the other aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? So he's saying that we've been called as ministers and we're ministers to everybody. We're ministers to those who are rejecting the gospel and are living from death to death. And we're uh, called to a ministry that is to those who believe and they go from life to life. That's everybody. Everybody. And so this ministry we have, Paul says, we have this ministry he's referring to himself, to the apostles, and to the church. Now, the unbelieving world does not have this ministry. But as soon as they become believing, they are given the ministry. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ automatically has received the ministry that Paul is talking about and is a minister called to ministry to the work of service to the gospel message that Christ brought. That's good news. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 4, and you probably all know this passage. He says that, uh, that we are called and gifted for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up the body of Christ. Each one of us is a minister. Each one of us is called to ministry. And it's this ministry of life to life and death to death. He says we're part of this fragrance of Christ, which is the gospel, 
and the mercy that is received when you believe in the one who died for us. An aroma. There's aromas that are really good. You know, haven't you ever walked into a room and smelled a candle that's uh, got vanilla in it? And you go, oh, man, that candle smells so good. It's making me hungry. That's an aroma. And then I walked into some places where I said, oh, that's an aroma too. <laughs> but as Christians, we're supposed to be a sweet fragrance to the world. First Peter uh, 2, 9 and 10 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may not proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. For once we're not a people. He's speaking to Gentiles. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians, uh, five seventeen and eighteen, Paul writes to them and says, uh, "Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away; all things have become new." And then he goes, "Now all things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ." And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, when you begin to look at that throughout the whole of the New Testament, you find that what Jesus Christ came, he taught for three years. He died on the cross to redeem us, and then he passed the ministry to us. And I want to say something. You know, I haven't always been a pastor. I came to ministry late in life. But I used to be a, a person sitting in a pew, and I always thought to myself, it's the pastor's job. It's the deacon's job. It's somebody else's job because I'm not adequate. I was right. <laughs> I was not adequate. But what Paul's telling us here is none of us are. We have to depend on God in our life and live by faith in the Son of God and depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do because apart from Him, we can do nothing. That's Scripture. I want to say ministry is hard sometimes. It's messy sometimes. Sometimes we get sucked into situations because we're involved in ministry that we don't really want to be involved in. And it's hard. We want to run. We want to say, nope, not me. Because we feel so inadequate. And if we will say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the, uh, needs to happen here, but I'm willing to be used by you to affect change and bring reconciliation to Jesus Christ in these people's lives. I am willing 
if you will use me. And I'll guarantee you he will. He will. Ministry is messy. And I want to tell you something else too. Um, Satan's again it. He doesn't want to see it happen. Uh, Satan is the God of this world and he seeks to keep all who have not believed in an unbelieving state. He doesn't want people to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness of sins and he has blinded the minds of many, many people. And he has given to us a ministry that opens eyes. This is what he said to Paul. Paul in Acts chapter 26 recounts his call on the Damascus road. And this is what he says to the people. He says that Jesus said to him, get up and stand on your feet for this purpose. I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will hear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles who um, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So he, he tells Paul in Damascus Road when he appears to him and blinds him, which Paul must have been a pretty stubborn rascal for, for Jesus to have to do that to get his attention. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you to these people to open their eyes, to take them out of darkness and bring them into light so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified faith in me. That was his purpose. He said, this is the purpose that I've appeared to you. Because Jesus wants people to be reconciled to him. Ministry. The second point, mercy. We have received mercy, he says, in the second half of, of the first verse. And, and he says, uh, we have received mercy. You and I have received mercy, too. I think I've received a lot more mercy than a lot of people. We all ought to feel that way. Because I want to tell you something. I know my sin but I don't know yours. So I know the mercy I need, but I don't know the amount of mercy you need. We each know our own heart, and God knows our heart also. Second Corinthians, he wrote, Paul wrote to the uh, um, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and he said, For we were dead in sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the flesh, 
indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, you've been saved. You know, we receive mercy. That's why we are considered children of God, because of the mercy of God. Because he saw fit to forgive us and allow us to come into his throne room and, uh, and be with him one-on-one. But we continue mercy even after we receive Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit as a, a seal. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, receive mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. He's writing to saved people. Let us draw near to the throne of grace. For mercy. Romans 12.1 says. I urge you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. Present your bodies. A living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual service of worship. What Paul is telling people. Throughout his writings. Is that. Uh, we are to be involved in ministry, and the very act of ministry is mercy from God to perform that ministry, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to influence people in the power of the Holy Spirit, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We continue to need mercy to do that, or grace. Paul says, don't lose heart. I don't know about you, but I, I lose heart when I think that I've uh, um, had some in, in someone's life and that they're to changing who they are and, and all of a sudden they rebel. and I lose heart. I get discouraged. Um, uh, over, and I have to stop and think for a minute. Look at all the victories around those times that things don't go the way I think they should have. Victories that sometimes we don't celebrate. We don't have any problem seeing the losses. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul also says, Therefore, we do not lose. For our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Now, I know one thing. If your inner man's not being renewed, it's because you're not spending time with the one who brings renewal. Uh, he has given us... Uh, uh, an extensive uh, testimony of his love and his involvement in human history. He reveals himself in his word. 
And if we don't spend time in the word and spend time in the prayer, we're not being renewed day by day. Verse 15 tells us, for all things are uh, for your sake, so that grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. One of the things that keeps me absolutely focused is when people are coming to know Christ. And we live in a world where that's getting harder and harder, it seems, because there's more and more bright objects to distract them. There's more and more opposition to the gospel. There's more and more murder, death, drugs, rape, robbery, evil in the world. And the more evil that abounds, it seems like it's harder. That's why every victory needs to be celebrated even more and more. We do not lose heart. God gives us all that we need to accomplish the ministry, to face the trials, to fight the foe, to claim the promises that are written in his word. The third point I want to make is there's a manifestation. Paul says in verse 2, their lives bear the manifestation of truth. And then he he uses the negative to... uh, bring out what the manifestation is about. He says, we renounce hidden things and we do in craftiness. We do not adulterate the word. What he's saying is that I open life. Who I am is I, I don't try to hide because I want people to see who I am. I'm not crafty. I don't try to pull stuff just up front. And I use the word of God, the way it's written, the way it's intended, the way it's meant to accomplish what we believe is made. I don't know about you, and I I'm hope I'm not staying toes here. One of the things that just galls me, I hear people talking about climate change, and we need to do this, and we need to do that, and we need to clamp down, and we need to do that. And then they get in a private jet and fly all around the world spewing what they say they're trying to stop. And I think to myself, that doesn't make any sense. And sometimes, um, and, and you read, there is some uh, preacher, teacher, preaching the gospel on Sunday, and then there's the middle of the week because he's done something that he knows he should not have done. And I think, man, it's hard enough already. And I remind myself that it doesn't matter how hard it gets, I'm not adequate for the easiest part. I have to depend on God. And there's nothing that's too hard for God. What we say we believe is revealed by how we live. Matthew 7 The scripture says, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
so then you will know them by their fruits. 2 Corinthians 2.17 says, For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God we speak in Christ in the sight of God. From the very beginning, there has been those who would twist the word. Paul dealt with this destructive practice constantly. There were people that were coming right behind Paul and saying, Paul is all messed up. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. You've got to be circumcised to be saved. No matter what Paul says, they were taking a, a nugget of a lie and inserting it into the truth of the gospel. There are people that do the same thing today. There are people, I heard someone say, I don't care what the Bible says, such and such, such. I said, well, <laughs> that's terrible. Somehow, there's people that tell you, the, like, uh, the Bible is, you know, old. Things have modernized. And, uh, and things have changed, and so we need to kind of change with the times. I want to tell you something. God created time. He knew what it was going to be when he wrote in his word, thou shall not. Also, when he wrote, thou should. What the, we need to live by the word. We need to live as new creations. Old things have passed away. Jesus said that that's a born-again experience. In other words, the Spirit has been added to our life, a new birth in us, and it changed who we are from the inside out. It's given us a ministry, the way we live the ministry of reconciliation, each one a minister. All part of who we become. And we need to practice the study of God's word and it needs to be manifest in our lives because we serve the king. Majesty. Point four. Verse 4 says, of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And verse 6 says, glory of God in the face of Christ, majesty. majesty. There's been a revelation in our hearts. Something changed at a point in your life where you became different There was a, a young lady that Donna and I attended school with, and she was very religious. And she grew up in this religion, and she was always staunch and put together. And, and we saw her after we graduated. I think it might have even been at a reunion. And you could tell by looking at her something had changed where she used to be kind of stiff 
Now she was happy. You could see happiness on her face. And as my wife was talking to her, she began to say she always thought it was up to her to keep herself saved. And when she found out that it was by the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ that he held her in his hand, it freed her up to have the mercy that she needed to live in freedom. And her life began to fill with joy. There's been a revelation in our hearts where God who said, let Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We know his majesty. It's been revealed to us. It's a great privilege we've been given to be called children of God. And as children of God, we need to reflect our Father. Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Jesus Christ. We spend a lot of our Christian life saying, Well, you know, Jesus was perfect, but there's no way I can be. And that's true. There's not a doubt in my mind that's truth. But we need to strive. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to take control of who we are. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven, on earth, under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brothers and sisters, we've been called to tell the world about the love of Jesus and that caused him to go to that cross at Calvary, submit himself to torturous death to pay our sin debt, to wipe the slate clean on our behalf. Because he paid a debt he did not owe because we couldn't. And the last point, might. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. Going back to that adequacy, the power that we have is not of ourselves. The power that we have is of God. And as long as we try to live the Christian life in the power of our own flesh, we will fail 
miserably. We can't live up. We won't live up. All we can do is kind of march through the steps and we accomplish nothing. But when we live in the power of God, things happen. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. The power that Paul's talking about right here. The power of God indwells us. The Holy Spirit. God doesn't want us to operate in our own strength. Never was his plan. His plan was for him to operate in us and through us because we can't. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We must operate in the power of God in order to accomplish the work and the will of God. That's all there is to it. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. First of all, we've got to have a desire to please God with our life. And that's just opposed to the desire to please ourselves with our life. That's a battle. It's a constant battle. Uh, I think of it in my own mind as it's like we're swimming upstream. Whenever we grow in Christ, when we grow in the Word, when we, when we grow closer to God, it's because we're being intentional in our study of God's Word and our prayer life, and we're being intentional in our growth process. It's like swimming up a river. Stop to catch your breath look at the scenery, do anything. When you stop swimming, you start floating backwards and you've got to cover that ground again. We drift simply because we don't do anything. We've got to have that desire to please God. We've got to believe that God wants to use us. We've got to believe that... Uh, out of all the people in the world, out of all the people we look up to and say, man, they're such wonderful Christian people. I'm sure God wants to use them, but I don't think God wants to use me. I'm not adequate. No, you're not adequate. But it's a lie that God doesn't want to use you. He doesn't want to use your inadequacy. He wants to be your adequacy. He has supplied you with the Holy Spirit to accomplish His will. And that's all done by faith. I think it was Brother Savage quoted 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love and power and discipline or sound mind. 
Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the spirits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. We bear fruit, and the fruit is love. When we begin to love people, somehow all those other fruits just keep growing on the vine. In 3.18, Paul wrote, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. He wrote to the Romans in 12.2 and he said, basically be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Christian life's all about. It's not staying who we are. It's being transformed by the spirit that God has placed in us so that the power of God in your life causes you to walk, to be wise in the Lord. And the work of service begins to be an ongoing thing in your life. Ministry takes place when each one is a minister accomplishing God's will in your life. Things begin to happen. The church begins to grow. But you personally have to have that desire. It's got to be your your cry to God. God, I want to be used by you. Uh, I don't want to just be. I want to be used. I can tell him. I'm not adequate. He already knows it. I'm not adequate. But you are. And if you want me to do something, you just let me know. I've told God, I used to tell God almost every Saturday night, God, if you want me to stand in that pulpit and make a fool out of myself, I'll do it. But you're going to have to. So I really don't have a clue what I'm doing. A lot of Saturday nights, I didn't sleep. Because I knew I was going to stand in the pulpit the next sun, the next morning, and and I realized I wasn't adequate, but God is. God is. We're going to have an invitation. Uh, 